Philippians, no Jesus, no joy. Let me bring you up to speed. We're gonna walk into, it's a great passage today. It's an awesome text. We're gonna walk into it. We have gone through chapter three, flashback in your mind. You had Paul, the accountant. Paul was talking about his gains and his losses. And he kind of summarized that statement by saying, I count everything, I count all things, rubbish, trash, all things as lost for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. So that's Paul where he's trying to weigh one side versus the other. All of these human things, they're worthless compared to knowing Jesus as my Lord. So then he moves into his second analogy in chapter three. And that second analogy is that of an athlete. He tells us that as that runner, as that athlete, he doesn't look behind. He forgets those things which are behind and he looks forward to those things which are ahead and he strives and pursues and he presses on for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So gains and losses, nothing in this earth compares to Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Running the race, I'm not gonna look back. I'm gonna press on. I may stumble, but I'm gonna stumble forward. I'm gonna press on for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Just give me Jesus. And today what we're gonna see in our text is we're gonna see that Paul tells us very clearly, imitate and watch godly examples and keep an eternal perspective. He's gonna tell us that he is a citizen of heaven and he's gonna compare that aspect of being a citizen of heaven with what it would be for those whose minds are set on earthly things. This is important for us because he's gonna tell us to walk by imitating and keeping your eye on the godly examples not to walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. All of you have a choice as to how you walk in this life. And Paul's gonna challenge us all to say, we are citizens of heaven, let's walk according to the godly things that we see in good, right, godly examples. So before I read our text to you, let me show you what our main idea is. So if you're taking notes, we're gonna be in Philippians chapter three, verses 17 through 21. We've got those verses today to walk through. Our main idea of our text is gonna be watch and imitate godly examples. We're gonna read that as we read that. The word watch is an imperative. The word keep your eye on is an imperative. The word imitate is an imperative. So he tells us two things you have to do, imitate and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in Paul. Now he's given us some of them. He's given us himself. He's given us Jesus first in chapter two and he's given us himself and he's given us Timothy and he's given us Epaphroditus. So he's writing to those in Philippi and he's saying, watch the godly examples that you have, imitate them. That's what you're supposed to do. And then he's gonna say, you're citizens of heaven. Don't have your mind set on earthly things, have your mind set on heavenly things. So that's an eternal perspective. This world is not all there is, and that's gonna change everything for us. So let's read through our text, and then we will move to our two points. Philippians chapter three, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And notice what Paul's doing here. He changes it from me, talking about himself, to the plural us, he's including there, we would have to assume Timothy and Epaphroditus among others. For many of whom I have told you often 
and now tell you even with tears. That's important. There's no spiritual spiking of the football in the end zone. There's no arrogance or pride in Paul's voice. Too often when we talk about people who have fallen, too often when we talk about people who are enemies, too often when we talk about those who don't believe the gospel, we do so with a spiritual arrogance and you don't see that here. You see, he's telling them now and he prefaces it by saying, I'm telling you, even with tears, he's heartbroken. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Four adjectives of these enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But, it's a difference. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. No other savior, it's clear it is, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. All right, we've got two points this morning as we walk through this text. Our two points that I'm gonna give you this morning, number one, your eyes. Imitate and keep your eyes on those who walk as the example you have in Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. Your eyes, who are you watching? Second then in 2021, we will come to your mind. What are you thinking? So let's start walking through these two. Your eyes, point number one. Your eyes, look at what the text says here. Starts off with brothers. So Paul here talking includes brothers and sisters. It's everybody, it's the generic brothers, all of us who are in the family of God. And so he's gonna say to them, brothers, join in imitating me. Imitate. You know what that word means. You know what that's like when you imitate somebody else, when you mock somebody else, you say the same things they say, they do something, you do the exact same they, thing they do. You do it sometimes to annoy people. You see children doing it sometimes to their parents because they wanna be just like their parents. They're imitating somebody else. We pick up mannerisms, we pick up words, we pick up phrases, we pick up accents. We imitate other people in the way we do things. Somebody introduces us to something cool. Like, I don't know, a fountain pen. And all of a sudden you get hooked on fountain pens and you start worrying about paper and whether it will absorb ink well and the nibs that are on the fountain pens and all these things because you're imitating what somebody else has taught you. And what it's saying here is imitate a godly example. So how do you know if you're imitating a godly example? I'm looking out here at the lives and I'm saying, I wanna, I wanna be like that person. Why? Is it because they have money or they have power or they have position? No, we want to be like people. We want to imitate people because we read God's word. And as we read God's word, we see people doing things and we say that person is what I see in the example of the great saints of the word. That person shows godly characteristics. That person is somebody I want to be like. I want to get to know them. I want to be discipled by them. So that's one reason we're all about discipleship. Other people will influence your life. I want you to be around those people that influence your life for God, that fit with his word. But to know that you have to know his word. If you don't know his word, you don't know whether they're a godly influence or whether they're leading you astray. And you don't follow somebody, even if you think they may be godly, even if they hold a position, even if they act like they're, they're doing the right things, if they go against the word, no, 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 no. 
That's not the person to imitate anymore. We imitate people of the word. We live it out. People start creating a following for themselves. They start getting arrogant or prideful. No, 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 no. Just give me Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You want to imitate people that point you to Jesus, people that help you, influence you to be more like our Savior. So join in imitating. It's not just imitating. It's also keeping your eyes on those who walk. There's the word walk. We're going to get it again on the enemies of the cross of Christ, but you keep your eyes on those who walk. It, it is it's a command. It's an imperative. It's to what we're supposed to do. Watch those people intentionally. Keep your eyes on them who walk according to the example. Example in the Greek word is tupas. It's type, old school typewriters. You would hit the key and the key would always go forward and it would do what it was supposed to do unless the typewriter malfunctioned. It also can be used of like a, a, an instrument that would make the exact same stamp over and over again or of a coin. You know what a quarter looks like? A quarter it looks like a quarter all the time, everywhere you see it. And so what Paul is saying is look at those who have an example of godliness, who are following what the book says do. You have those as an example. You watch those examples. You imitate them. How is it that I grow in discipleship? I learn what the word says. I find somebody that's pointing me more to be like Jesus. Somebody who's not exalting themselves. They're humbling themselves and they're honest to say to me, I don't have it all together, but I wanna point you to be more like Christ and here are the things you can do to be more like Jesus. And you watch them and you imitate them and then you grow in godliness following their example. And then you look back and you see others growing in godliness following your example. Remember, Paul just told us earlier in chapter three, he's not there. He hasn't arrived. He hasn't attained. He is not perfect. And there is no perfect person on this earth. And you can't expect to find the perfect person. So you look to somebody that's a little bit farther down the road than you are in being like Jesus. And you go spend time with them. You imitate them. You keep your eyes on them. And step by step, stumbling forward together, we grow in godliness. Imitate and keep your eyes on there. Here's my fear for you. The world puts a lot of flashy gold up there. And too often we imitate and look at and want to be like people that we have absolutely no business wanting to be like or imitate. Whether it's their Instagram account or whether it's on social media or whether it's their public persona, you don't understand their lives may be an absolute train wreck behind the scenes. All you get is a short little glimpse of what the world would say is something that you wanna mimic and something that's important. And what I wanna say to you is don't listen to what the world says about imitating some of those people. We are people of the book. We imitate what the Bible says is good and right and godly. We imitate those who help us to be more like Jesus. Be careful who you look to. You walk as the example you have in us. He transitions, for I have told you, for many of whom I've told you often. So he's told you about them before. And then he says, I tell you now, even with tears, he's heartbroken. And in this heartbroken aspect, he's gonna tell you about those who walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. There's four things here. This is right out of the text. Their end is destruction. All right, so student at Cedarville, you walk either following the example of those who are godly or you walk following the example of those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. 
You say in your mind, I want to follow what the world says. I want all of the money. I want all the power. I want all the fame. I want all the riches of the world. Here are the four characteristics that that's going to lead you to. Number one, your end is destruction. So what you're saying right now, according to God's infallible, inerrant, inspired, sufficient word that stands even though all else fades, is I'm going to choose the world's way. My end will be destruction. The world's way, their God is their belly. Now there's some argument back and forth as to whether Paul's talking about those who are legalistic and this is, a, this is about the, the rituals of eating. I don't think that's the case. I think he's probably talking about those who take license. So in his other writings, he will talk about those who are legalistic. He'll caution us about being legalistic. And then he turns and he talks about those who, who just do whatever they want to. May we sin so that grace may abound. God forbid, by no means. So here, I think he's talking about those whose God is their belly. It's their impulses. They're given to gluttony. They have an impulse. They have a desire. They feel it. But it's broader than just gluttony. It's the seat of all emotions that he's talking about with that word belly. And so it's all of the things that attract us and that pull us and that we desire. And so it's those sexual impulses where you say, I want to do things outside of marriage that I should only do. And God has given us as good godly gifts inside of marriage. And you have those impulses. You don't resist those impulses. Their God then becomes their belly. It becomes those impulses that cannot be controlled. Enemies of the cross of Christ, their ends destruction, their God is their belly, it's their hedonism, it's fulfilling those fleshly desires. And they glory in their shame. They brag about what they're doing to fulfill those fleshly desires. If this is to the Judaizers, this would be they actually take glory in their circumcision, adding a work to the gospel of grace. If this is to others, you've, you've been around, you see it. We see it all the time. People who take glory in their shame. The things they are doing to rebel against a righteous and just God who loves them, they celebrate. And then they set their minds on earthly things. Now think about how this works. It's immediate gratification. All my mind is set on, if you're an enemy of the cross of Christ, is how can I be immediately gratified? How can I satisfy this desire which means that my belly is my God and then you take glory in it because all you're worried about is this earth and what happens in this earth and you think that's all there is. Now, if that's your perspective and anything goes wrong, if you get sick with cancer, if you lose your job, if you have a trial or tribulation, anything goes wrong, your world is completely shattered. Your world is completely rocked because your mind is set on this earth and this earth is all there is. At the end of time, when Jesus judges and separates the sheep from the goats, the righteous from the unrighteous, those who have had their minds set on earthly things, those who have pursued their own fleshly desires, those who have been an enemy of the cross of Christ, their end is destruction. So no, right now, just no. If you in your mind are choosing, I'm not going to do this Christian thing. I'm not going to believe the Bible. I'm not going to serve God. I'm going to choose my own way. I want to go sow my wild oats. I want to go do all of these things that the world says is fun. I'm going to believe the lies of the devil rather than the God and author of truth. Just know you're making a choice to walk in the path of the unrighteous, to be an enemy of the cross of Christ, and your end is destruction. And my heart breaks for you. And Paul's heart breaks with tears even in his eyes saying, don't follow that path. This is Cedarville. Nobody follows that path, right? No. No, it happens. It happens. Would you make up in your mind right now, I'm not going to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. 
I am not going to set my path to walk directly into destruction. I'm not going to allow the fleshly desires of this world to become my God. I'm not going to take glory in the things I do that God does not like. Would you make that your commitment? Not to set your mind on earthly things, but to set your mind on heavenly things. There's a but here. This but sets a contrast. The enemies of the cross of Christ, their minds on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship's not of the earth. We may be citizens of our country. We don't completely, we don't focus so much on heaven that we're no earthly good. But at the same time, we know this is not the end of everything. This is temporary. So our citizenship's in heaven. And from it, we eagerly await. Some of your translations add that word eager in there. We await. We are on this earth waiting for something that is coming. Now you get this. You are college students. You show up to campus. And most of you show up in like a car with some things in the trunk. And, but some of you show up with like a U-Haul full of stuff that's not going to fit in your dorm room. And we just laugh because we don't know why you brought that much stuff. But none of you bring all of your stuff. You show up because you don't bring all of your stuff. You leave some of it at home with mom and dad. And what really happens is after you graduate, you still left at home with mom and dad. And then you get married and it's still home with mom and dad. And then eventually mom and dad says, we're cleaning out. Get your junk out or we're throwing it away. And you finally get all your stuff out. But you come to school with just a sliver of it, just part of it. These are the things I need for this temporary time frame. I'm going to go home at Christmas. I'm going to go home in the summer. I'm going to bring some stuff back. And eventually the goal is I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to move on and serve God for the rest of my life. It's temporary. So my mindset is not that my dorm room is my final destination. And all the parents watching online said, amen. (laughs) Your dorm room is not your final destination. Graduation. Vocation. Serving for God's glory the rest of your life. So you can endure what we put you through in four years of training and tests and classes and putting two sinners in one room together and calling that discipleship. I mean, we prepare you for what's ahead. You understand this. Our citizenship, our thinking, it's in heaven. This earth is not my home. I'm a pilgrim passing through. It doesn't matter what happens to me on this earth because this is not the end. I'm eagerly awaiting a savior. Now this, oh, this is, you got to get this. So take yourself out of the American context, put yourself back into the Roman context, put yourself into Philippi, which is a colony of Rome. And as a colony of Rome, Philippi would get its orders from Rome. And so Paul's writing here to Philippi, getting their orders from Rome. And he's saying to them, you understand this because you are an outpost of Rome and they send orders and you do what you're supposed to do. You take orders from the person who is the sovereign, earthly speaking over that, and you do these things. They get the message. Our citizenship's in heaven. We take orders from where? From heaven. This earth comes at us with all of these things. They make rules and they they legislate things and they they tell us this is not okay and this is not popular. And we say, I don't take my orders from you. I don't get my orders from what I see on the news. I don't get my orders from what I see on social media. I get my orders from the book. I get my orders from heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm an outpost of the king. I am an ambassador of Christ pleading with others, be reconciled to God. As an ambassador of the king and a citizen of heaven, I operate differently. And then check this part. Philippi, outpost of Rome. What did they call Caesar? They called Caesar the Savior and the Lord. And Paul here with his pen, 
with his, with his scalpel of theological precision, is he saying to us, but we are citizens of heaven and we don't await an earthly person to save us. What we don't await a bailout to save us. We don't await a, a rule in the courts to save us. We don't await a political party to save us. They're not gonna do it. We have one savior. We are not the savior either. It's not up to us to save other people. It's up to us to point people to the one savior. The one savior who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we are here in the outpost, pilgrims passing through, awaiting our savior coming from heaven. From that, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one, the only, the one savior, nobody else, no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. That changes everything. So you're stressed out right now. You're struggling with all the things going on. This is temporary. We're awaiting our Savior. And look at what the text says to you. The text says we're awaiting that Savior who's going to transform this lowly body. Now, this is, this is not body shaming. This is not criticizing our body. This is not creating a dualism. But this is saying to us, we recognize these bodies are but dust. We recognize these bodies are sinful. They're flawed. We fail more often than we succeed. Romans 7, why do I do the things I don't want to do? I don't do the things that I want to do. We recognize we are in earthly shells. We're in earthen vessels carrying around the glory of the Lord. We're in the earthen pots. And it says, but he's going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. How? By the power. By the power that the one has that nobody else has by that power that he is able to subject even all things to himself, all the rulers, all the evil, the devil, the demons, everything that is evil and wrong and wicked in this world, Jesus is gonna come back one day and by his power, he's gonna transform it all and he's gonna make it all right and everything is gonna be as it should have been in the Garden of Eden. And that's what we are eagerly awaiting as outpost of the king. Be encouraged, be encouraged. Our savior is coming. Application points for you. Number one, be wise about who you imitate and who you keep your eyes on. Dear student, if your hero is a football player that plays in the NFL, I'm nervous. If your hero is an actor or an actress in Hollywood, I'm nervous. If your hero is somebody that's rich on Wall Street, I'm nervous. Because the power, the fame, the fortune, it's all temporary. And I'm nervous because I don't want you to walk as an enemy of the cross of Christ. I want you to imitate and keep your eyes on those who will direct you to Jesus. Because Jesus is all we need. We have the thousand days with Psalm 90 verse 12. Lord, teach, me, teach us to number our days so that we may live a life of wisdom. We do that with our thousand days here on campus. I encourage you just expand that view a little bit and do that with all of the days of your life. The scripture tells us that we may be here for 70 years, 80 by reason of strength. 
But Lord, teach us to number those days so that we recognize and we realize that this is temporary. This is not eternal. There is eternal awaiting and we can endure things for this temporary moment because we know there's an eternal coming. So we watch, we imitate, we allow those to influence our lives. We allow those people in our lives that are gonna point us for the good things, the godly things, not the lies of the devil, not tearing us down by putting us enslaved to various sin issues, but they focus us forward and upward and onward toward Jesus. We press on together. We lock arms as a band of brothers and sisters stumbling forward together for the cause of Christ. Second application point. An eternal perspective changes how you think and how you react. So eternal perspective, what am I talking about? Recognizing that this earth is temporary and that heaven is eternal. So if I keep in my mind an eternal perspective, think about what that does. Think about somebody who's saved, who dies and goes to glory. It changes the way we mourn. We mourn, but not as those without hope because we have the hope of eternity. Sure, I'm gonna miss whoever it is I've lost for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, maybe. But one day I see them again because the power of the gospel and the resurrection of the gospel tells me I will be with them for eternity. It changes the way I deal with suffering and tribulation in this earth because it is only temporary. You can't do anything worse to me than kill me. And when you kill me, you're actually sending me to my savior. And so that's okay by me. If that's the worst you can do to me in this life, it lowers my stress level. It lowers my anxiety. You say, oh, but what, what if I fail at something? Just serve Jesus. It doesn't matter if you fell at this, you're serving Jesus. You fell at this, you're serving Jesus. You continue to strive forward serving Jesus. He's gonna put you in the places he wants you. He's gonna direct your steps. You work hard, serve God, do excellence and effort, integrity in your conduct, serve him and serve him well. And Jesus will put you where he wants you so that you can serve the kingdom faithfully. Changes the way you think about everything. Cancer diagnosis, it's okay. It's not fun, it's not good, it's okay. Because this is temporary and heaven's eternal. I wanna read something to you. I, I, don't often, I don't often read things, but I was, in my studying, I was reading James Montgomery Boyce and his commentary on Philippians. And I thought this, this is powerful. So we've set the scene here that you can walk as enemies of the cross of Christ or you can walk and follow the example of those who are godly. And, and our main idea, just to remind you of our main idea before I read this, and we'll throw it back up on the screen, is to watch and imitate godly examples while maintaining that, that eternal perspective. So you get, you get two choices, walk in the way of the enemies of the cross of Christ or walk in a way that imitates and watches those godly examples. And, and I'm pleading with you today to, to watch and imitate godly examples. That's your walk, that's what I wanna see. I don't want to see any spiritual strutting. I don't want to see any spiritual ball spiking. I don't want to see any arrogance and pride pointing to ourselves. I want us to be the humble people that lock arms together. We walk together, no one are following, pleading to the grace of the cross. You got two paths though. So James Montgomery Boyce writes, in the year 1899, two famous men died in America. One was an unbeliever who had made a career of debunking the Bible and arguing against Christian doctrines. The other was a Christian. Colonel Ingersoll, after whom the famous Ingersoll lectures on immortality at Harvard University, your name was the unbeliever. His death was sudden and came as an unmitigated shock to his family. His body was kept in the home for several days because Ingersoll's wife could not bear to part with it. 
It was finally removed only because the corpse was decaying and the health of the family required it. At length, the remains were cremated and the display at the crematorium was so dismal that some of the scene was even picked up by the newspapers and communicated to the nation at large. Ingersoll had used his great intellect to deny the resurrection. When death came, there was no hope. And the departure was received by his friends and his family as an uncompensated tragedy. In that same year, the evangelist Dwight L. Moody died. His family was triumphant for himself and his family. Moody had been declining for some time and his family had taken turns being with him. On the morning of his death, his son, who was standing by his bedside, heard him exclaim, quote, earth is receding, heaven is opening, God is calling. His son said, you're dreaming, father. Moody answered, quote, no, Will, this is no dream. I have been within the gates. I've seen the children's faces. For a while, it seemed as if Moody was reviving, but he began to slip away again. He said, quote, is this death? This is not bad. There is no valley. This is bliss. This is glorious, end quote. By this time, his daughter was present. She began to pray for his recovery. And he said, quote, no, no, Emma. Don't pray for that. God is calling. This is my coronation day. I've been looking forward to it, end quote. Shortly after that, Moody was received into heaven. At the funeral, his family and friends joined in a joyful service. They spoke and they sang hymns. They heard the words proclaimed, O oh death, where's your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, for he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57. Moody's death was part of that victory. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you are spiritually, but I plead with you. Imitate and follow the examples that you have in Jesus Christ. Don't be deceived by this world or the devil to follow the enemies of the cross of Christ. Oh, citizen of heaven, we eagerly await a glorious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will one day make it all right. Let us live this life not looking back, but pressing forward together, pursuing the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. For that is our common goal. Oh, dear God, we thank you that you are good and merciful and gracious. And God, I pray if there's anyone here right now that doesn't have that personal relationship with you, that Lord, today would be the day they would talk to an RA, an RD, a faculty member, somebody, Lord, to be able to get things right with you. God, may we all walk, not as enemies, but Lord, as servants. For you are the one true God. And Lord, either on this earth and now or in eternity, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I pray for all of us that it may be right now that we humble ourselves and confess that you are Lord, that we live in such a way that we have our minds set with an eternal perspective for your glory and not our own. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And you are dismissed.